Turn in your Bible to two passages of Scripture. Hold your place there, 2 Corinthians 8 and Philippians 4. Uh, and here we go. We jumped in. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to go past. We're, we're talking about finding biblical focus for your future from the book of Philippians. We began last Sunday, uh, and uh, I want to encourage you, to, if you missed last Sunday, to go back to our website, uh, churchontherocknorth.com, and listen to, I don't think there's the video right now, we'll start video and in March uh, again, but uh, there's the audio there to get you plugged in. We're looking at seven biblical focal points for our future from Philippians. Last week, we talked about uh, the focal point of the family of God. Very important uh, message for us. Paul, as he writes to the Philippians, he focuses on them. He loves them. Let me tell you about, here's the points that we had last Sunday. Paul loved the family of God. He was thankful for the family of God. He prayed for the family of God. He encouraged the family family of God. He served the family of God. He guarded the family of God. He was an example to the family of God. And man, we need to follow in his footsteps. And in 2018, get our focus right. You see, if you, if you go through the year all clouded and not sure about life and not sure about what the Bible says, listen, I'm telling you, biblical focal points. Don't get focused on the wrong thing in 2018. Oh, that almost rhymed. You got to focus on the right thing in 2018. Come on, and you got to get your focus, a biblical focus for your future. And the first one I think is paramount, especially for us. We focus on the family of God. We follow in Paul's footsteps and we love the family. We're thankful for the family. We pray for our church family and our pastor too. Amen. And we encourage one another. We serve our church family. We guard our, our family. And we are an example to the family of God. That's where we were last week. Now this morning, I'm going to jump into focal point number two. And it certainly goes in line with what we believe God has spoken to us as leaders. It's the focal point of finances. Some people call it finances. Let's just take a vote for fun. How many of you believe it's finances? Raise your hand. How many of you believe it's finances? Oh, you're out. So now it's finances. So you're, <laughs> my son says finances and he corrects me. I said, no, it's finances. I think it's especially in Texas. It's my finances. And we're focusing on our finances because you know what? Uh, Jesus wants us to be faithful with our finances. Now here's the reading assignment <coughs> for this week. Okay. Here's what I want you to read. Second Corinthians eight and nine. Now the reason you read second Corinthians eight and nine, and we talked about this is that the church in Philippi was a model church. Okay. Uh, and they were especially a model church when it came to giving. And so Paul, this, as far as we know, this is the only church that Paul uses as a role model and he does it to the Corinthians. So second Corinthians eight and nine, in fact, it begins something like this. He said, let me tell you about that church down in, in those churches in Macedonia. Those churches got it going on <coughs> when it comes to their finances. Okay. And their heart of giving. And so second Corinthians eight and nine is an instruction about finances, but he uses the church in Philippi as a role model and an example. So that's why you want to read second Corinthians eight, and nine, because it certainly links in. Uh, he, when he starts talking about these principles, uh, he, he makes note that the churches in Macedonia, which is primarily Philippi, uh, they got it going on and they understand these. So it's important to read through that and you're going to gain, we're going to glean quite a bit from there. In fact, this morning, you got to understand, I'm just giving you a little mercy drop here. Be here next Sunday for the blessed life because I'm telling you, how many of you want your life to be blessed in 2018? I want to tell you, you're, you will not, you might get a bunch of money in 2018, but if you're not following the principles of God concerning finances, you won't live a blessed life. Because the blessed life ultimately has nothing to do with the, the bank account, the money in your bank account. That's just a little bitty part, okay? But if you want to be blessed in your finances, you got to follow along the biblical understanding and precepts. You got to follow the guidelines. How many of you know in anything, if you want to be successful, you got to follow the guidelines? Look at your neighbor and say, you got to follow the guidelines. 
And that's where we're going. In fact, let me throw this out. The first Sunday evening of March, I think it's March 4th, we began Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. It's, I think, a nine-week or a seven-week. Uh, where's Jana? It's nine. It's nine weeks. Now, there, there's Jana. There is a cost. I think it's $100, $110, something like that. And you sign up online, and there's information there in, the, in your bulletin. But let me, you say, a hundred and, hey, it'll be the best investment you ever made. Because he will teach you how to get out of debt. He will teach you how to get a handle from a biblical perspective on giving. And you know what? You just can't take the cliff notes. I don't know if you did that in school. You know, in school, we got exempt from the exam if we did good. You don't get exempt from God's test. Okay. So I want to encourage you. Uh, to to say to yourself, we're going to do that. In fact, I was helping Shannon and uh, Shelly with their house the other day. I showed up to be the hero to help her get her ox out of the ditch and finish the, finish the floors. So I walked out feeling really good about myself. Uh, but she said, you know what? We're going through that. We started to go through it earlier, but we're excited about the Financial Peace University. I went, cha-ching, there you go. She understands. And so, hey, we want you to get a grip on your finances in 2018 and get this thing fixed. Everybody everybody, look at one another and say, he's talking to all of us here today. We've got to get this fixed, okay? Uh, and so, uh, very important. Uh, and so, there's a reading assignment. And then I have a memory verse for you. Philippians 1, uh, 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Everybody say that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's Philippians 4 what? 4.13, I can do all. Th- somebody, tell somebody, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, let me tell you the context of that verse. It's not your workplace. It's in the area of your giving. You say, I don't know if I can, I don't know, Pastor, about that tithing. My Lord, I got more month than I got money in the first place. I don't know about that tithing. Just say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let me, can I give you a personal testimony? Beverly and I, we, you know, and we'll read here in a minute. Paul went through uh, times of uh, blessing and times of leanness. Beverly and I have been through a time of leanness, uh, but we've, you know what? We've, we've not been begging bread. We've not got, in fact, I told Beverly, I gave her a little praise report the other day. I said, let me give you a little praise report. Here's where we are. We, you know, we have another home. We have a, we have a little side job. I said, all our taxes are paid. All our taxes are paid. All our bills are paid. Uh, we're not in perfect condition, but we got money in the bank. Somebody say, praise the Lord. In fact, this last year, we had someone give us a half acre of land for nothing. They just said, we want to give you some land. I said, I'll take some land. Hallelujah. Amen. And, and we never stop giving. We've always tithed and we've always given. And I just, I'm just telling you, I, I thank God for his favor on our life. When you follow the book, it works, okay? So there you go. I'm going to have to really talk fast today. Well, i got plenty of time. Here we go. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, just plug into those opportunities. The Blessed Life, Financial Peace University, and now turn to Philippians. By the way, i got little bugs running around up here on the podium. I don't know where they came from. If you see me do this. I'm, I'm swatting bugs at the same time. Are you in Philippians? If you're in Philippians, say, I'm there, Pastor. Amen. Well, let's look at Philippians chapter 4, and let's begin. I'm going to read you verse 10 through 20, and, and uh, just kind of get you this, this insight. Here we go. He says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me. Everyone say care for me. We'll look at that again in a moment. Has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked an opportunity. He's talking about their, their desire and heart to give. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. That's so hugely important. There, there's a difference between complacency and contentment. I'm not, compl- I'm not complacent about where I am financially, but I am content. I mean, if you know, there's a difference. Paul, that's what Paul is saying. He said, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. That's where Beverly and I have been. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And so there, catch this, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
It doesn't matter what my financial checkbook looks like or the savings account. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. They were the only ones that understood and got a grip on this this, this thing called giving. Okay, and receiving. For even in Thessalonica, uh, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. That's a huge verse. We'll talk about it more. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice. Somebody say sacrifice well-pleasing to God. And then he says, and my God, somebody say amen, and my God shall supply all your need according and in harmony with his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to God, now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. And everybody say that last word, amen. What a powerful, what a power-packed batch of verses right there. In fact, Here's the context, really, of this whole book. The context, or this letter, we call them books, they're letters. This, the context here uh, is a thank you, but really, he's commending the church for their biblical insight and mindset. Somebody say mindset. Concerning finances. Let me just say to you, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to, I'm going to lay a little foundation for what I'm about to say in just a moment. How many of you know it's the way you think? If you get your thinking right, a lot of other things start lining up right. If you think wrong, you're going to get wrong results. Could I get a better amen? Now, Paul, with this church, I'm going to show you something. He, and it was all about when he started writing them, and not in just the area of finances or finances, he was endeavoring to help them begin to develop and maintain and, and get a hold of the right mindset and thinking pattern about life. Now, if you know, we're going to read something in a moment. This was not a wealthy church. In fact, 2 Corinthians 8 says they were poor. Hello. But yet they were givers. And so <coughs> you remember I told you in verse 10 to say he said, "But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care." Everyone say your care. The Greek there, I don't know how you pronounce it, phroneo, p h r o n e o. It has to do with your thinking process. When he said your care, he's really talking about how they thought about him and how they thought about him was made manifest in what they did for him. You see, if you have compassion in your hearts and you think compassionately towards someone and, you know, we just went through a flood. Y'all remember we had a flood here? Anybody remember that? Yeah, you remember that, Ray. He, he, he remembers that every morning when he wakes up. Uh, and then maybe one day, uh, Ray, you'll, it'll be the second thing you think about when you wake up rather than the first thing you think about when you wake up. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, in that flood, there was a great compassion from all over the world. People thought about us. They did. Man, I had friends from all over the nation would call me. One in particular lives in Colorado Springs, Colorado. He has his own mission uh, endeavor. He goes around the world and 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 teaches uh, people about how to raise up leaders and evangelize the world. Uh, and he just called me, Sam. I said, I said, yeah, yeah. How's it going? I said, well, it's going okay down here. I guess. He said, I'm gonna send you some money. I said, okay. He didn't ask, he, he didn't want pictures. He just said, I know you need money. You need money? I said, yes, sir, I need money. He sent us seven, $8,000 to our church family to help us. What a guy. He didn't put a name, he didn't put a tag on it, you know, buy shoes for the little, he just, this is for your church. I know you need money. I said, we need money. Thank you, Jesus. And so he had, he has that heart and he thought about us. And here's what Paul is telling, uh, this church. He said, man, you thought right. And that moved you to a place where you began to give right. It begins with how you think and your mindset about money. 
In fact, if you look back up in Philippians 4, verse 8, look what he says. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are holy or lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's anything virtuous, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate, think on these things. Get your thinking right about this this stuff. In fact, here's the cool part. When you read through Philippians, I'm going to show you in in different ways. He uses this word phreneo, or, or the pattern of thinking in eight different places with eight different, uh, seven or eight different topics. Philippians 1, 7, 2, 2, uh, Philippians 2, 5, Philippians 3, 15 and 16, Philippians 3, 19, Philippians 4, 2, and Philippians 4, 10. He uses this, this, uh, get your thinking right word, uh, in, in eight different places. And what he's saying, you got to get the pat, the right way of thinking about finances, the right way of thinking about the church family, the right way of thinking about your future. Come on, could have get a better amen. We got to adjust. We got to get the stinking thinking out uh, when it comes to finances, and get the stinking thinking out when it comes to the family of God, and begin to adjust our thoughts towards a biblical understanding of what He has to say. My Lord Jesus, somebody say amen. So with that in mind, I'm going to give you some biblical mindset thoughts about money. Just a few thoughts. Understand this is not all inclusive. This is just, just as little a splatter here of insight. And though not in your notes, let me just say to, in case you think, Pastor, you need to be talking about this and that. You don't be wasting time talking about money. Let me just say this. Jesus. How many of you think we should follow the words of Jesus? You read the red, which is the words of Jesus, and you will discover something about the words of Jesus that he talked more about money and finances than he did heaven and hell combined. I'm going to say that again. Jesus talked about how we handle money and finances more than he did heaven and hell combined. How many of you believe talking about heaven and hell is important? Jesus spent more time talking about your money and how we handle money than he did heaven and hell. Why do you think? Because he knows that if we can get this right, a lot of other things start lining up in our world. Let me just say, let's talk about world missions. If the church family can get their finances fixed and get out of debt and get on focus and get on track and get on target with God's purpose, it releases huge amounts of resources to funnel into the mission field around the world. And, and so you think, well, that's, that's one of the huge reasons Jesus wants us to get this straight in our life. And let me just say to you, kids and adults alike, listen carefully. If you get a dollar for Christmas, 10 cents of it goes to the Lord. And so we teach our children to be tithers and givers, not just tithers, but givers. And so understand that. Jesus talked more about money and finances than he did heaven and hell combined. With that in mind, I'm going to give you seven little thoughts from Philippians and other places about money. Here we go. The first one is this. And hey, we're getting our thinking straight. And this is what you and I really need to get straight. More money won't, won't make you more happy. More money, everybody say more money, won't make me more happy. It really won't. It won't. In fact, let me show you this in Philippians 4, verse 11 and 12. He says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. In other words, my happiness, my joy is not based on if what I have or don't have. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So, hey, more, everybody say more money won't make you more happy. Look at what some psychology professors said. Catherine Sanderson from Amherst, she said, we always think if we had a, a little bit more money, we'd be happier. But when we get there, we're not. Dan Gilbert from Harvard said this, once you get basic human needs met, a lot more money doesn't make for a lot more happiness. That's amazing. 
Even the psychology professors from secular universities understand this truth. Let me read to you. I love the New Living Translation. Uh, if, if you want to go look at it in second, uh, you're, you're supposed to be in second Corinthians chapter eight. I'm going to read these three verses in the New Living Translation. Listen to this. This is the beginning of Paul, uh, talking to the Corinthian church about this church in Macedonia called Philippi. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, when what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. That's huge too. You know, even though he's, he's using this church as a, as a role model, he's giving God the credit. Look what God did through this church in Philippi. They are being, they, they are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy. In other words, they're poor, but they've got joy, abundant joy. So their happiness and their joy is not based on what they don't have or do have. It's based on a totally different place. And then it says, but they are also filled with joy, which has overflowed into rich generosity. So when you get this thing, a thought of, when you get this down, more money doesn't make you more happy. And we, if we, if we believe that way, we're always trying to get more money and we never get more happy. The secret is to get happy and then you'll be able to give with joy. And we know from that principle that you'll get more money. Yellow. We just got it backwards. So everybody say it, more money doesn't make you more happy. Number two, generous giving is a biblical model. To be a generous giver is a biblical model. Now, quickly, there's three types of giving mentioned in Scripture. The tithe, that's Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Not not some of the tithes, all the tithes. Into the storehouse. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord, so if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, so much so as you, that you cannot contain it. There's the tithe. It's the tenth. It's the starting ground. And then the Bible talks about offerings. We took up an offering last Sunday for children's ministry. It's an offering. It's a gift above the tithe. And then there's the alms gift. Matthew 6 talks about when you give alms. All of them are a part uh, of, of a biblical model for giving. The tithe, the offering, and the alms gift. Everyone say it. The tithe, the offering, and the alms gift. Those are the three biblical models that you and I, and and none of them are optional. All of them, Jesus said, when you tithe, not if you tithe, but when you tithe. And so it's the responsibility to understand it's a biblical mandate and understand this because we're talking about generous giving. Uh, You know, and how many of you realize generosity is relative? If you got, if, if, um, um, Bill Gates showed up here today and he gave us a thousand dollars. We would might consider, man, he's very generous. No, it's relative. Are you with me? In fact, Jesus in Luke, let me see what verse this is. In Luke 21, he's sitting there at the temple watching people give and people come and give. And he's counting, by the way. Did you know he's counting what you put in the bucket? You can't keep it from him because he knows uh, uh, what what our our habits of giving determine a whole lot about who we are. In fact, I can look at your checkbook and tell you where the priorities are in your life. Did you know that? You can look at mine and tell where my priorities are. Okay? And Jesus was counting and he saw a little woman who had given two mites, which is just a teeny little bit. It's a, it's not much at all, but she gave all she had. And Jesus said this about her. She gave more than all of you. Why? Because generosity is relative. And all of us have a place where we are in life where we realize, uh, you know, I have some friends that are very wealthy, okay? And they do great things for the kingdom. And I look at them and I come, I kind of wish I could do that, but I'm not where they are. Genera- God doesn't look and say to me, well, when you give like that man gives, then you're, I'll consider you generous. No, you give where you are, wherever you are, and you give a, a, a generous uh, uh, offering, a generous tithe, a generous uh, uh, alms gift. God, it's all relative to God and he takes you right where you are. Amen. 
It's a biblical model. That's why I quoted it a little bit ago, Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Did you know the tithe is how God finances the ministry? Amen? That's how he does it. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 19 and 20. I'll, I won't uh, quote it all. He said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth does not destroy and there's no decay and where thieves can't break, break in and steal. And then he talks about our heart and that giving is an attitude of the heart. What's he saying? He's not saying don't have a savings account. He's not saying don't be wise with your money. But what he's saying is, don't you think, if you think you can just store it all up and stack it all up and not be giving it away, you're sad. Don't be that way. Amen? Store up. How many of you know when you're a generous giver, you're storing up riches in heaven? Okay, so it's a biblical model. So that's what he's, uh, he's, he's commending this church for their, for their biblical God understanding of finances. Number three, generous giving is like sowing a seed. How many of you know sowing a seed is, if you're a farmer, you understand sowing a seed. Look in Philippians 4, 17. He says this. He says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit. I want to say fruit. The fruit that abounds to your account. What's he saying there? He's saying, you know what? And, and we, and when you read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, you're going, he's going to hit this really hard about sowing a seed that giving financially is like sowing a seed. He said this. He said, let me tell you something. I'm not just excited about that. In fact, you give it, given to me. I'm excited about how God is going to bless you because you sowed a, a generous sacrificial seed into the kingdom of God. There's fruit coming. Amen. It's like sowing a seed. Now, just for kicks, let's turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me show you this in case you've never read this. You're going to read it this week, aren't you? Everybody say, I'm going to read this this week. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 through 10. But this I say. Now, the context is clearly about finances. These two chapters are about giving. He's getting this church straight. He says, but this I say. He who sows sparingly will reap what? And he who sows bountifully or generously will reap bountifully. So let each of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So it's the principle of sowing seed. Are you with me? Say amen. He goes on to say in verse 10, look down there. Now may he, that is God, who supplies seed to the sower. You see the money you gave today, God gave it to you. He put it into your care. It all belongs to him. And he said to you, here, I want to give you this. Now I want you to sow a seed. That's why parents, I want you to give your children money to give. Teach them that, hey, it's not, in fact, uh, uh, I've told you this before years ago. Our kids, when they were little, we, we would get uh, snacks from the Texaco. It was before the days of, of in fact, the Texaco is close to the church. And our kids, when we drive by, they go, Texaco, Texaco. They wanted to stop and get a snack. And then they began to realize that I could put things on a ticket. I'd just go in there and get stuff, and he'd write it down and send me a bill. I found out my kids after church were sneaking down to the Texaco and putting things on the tab. One day we had some of those those ill-gotten gains on, in the car, and I, I told, I can't remember, it was Nathan or Stacy. I said, they had something. I, I'll call them Skittles. I don't know. I said, give me some of those Skittles. They said, and they looked at me. Now, they just put it on my tab. And they said, these are my Skittles. I think I whipped off to the side of the road. And I said, we're going to have ourselves a talk. One thing, those are not your Skittles. They're my Skittles. No, they're my Skittles. No, you, you misunderstand what you're cramming in your mouth. I bought them. You have them in your hand. You're putting them in your mouth but they do not belong to you. Now, give me my skill. <laughs> now, the principle is this. The money you have in your wallet, in your check, checking account, in your savings account, it doesn't belong to you. 
God gave it to us as seed to sow. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. And Paul said, man, this seed you got, you ought to understand, it, it does you no good till you put it in the ground and begin to sow it and invest it in God's kingdom. We have a lady in our church who sold a piece of property she called me. She said, are y'all at home? I said, yes, we're at home. She said, I'm going to bring you the tithe. I sold some property. I want to bring it to you. I said, well, you can wait till Sunday. And she said, no, I got to get it out of my hands. And, and I'm kind of going, okay, I'll take it. I mean, I just kind of, well, I'm just kind of, but then I realized something. This person realized something. This is seed. I've got unsown seed in my hands and it's quite a significant amount. And the quicker I get it in the ground, the quicker it'll begin to bring forth fruit for God's glory. Whoo! You never see a farmer in sowing time going, oh, I think we're going to Disney World. By the way, I am going to Disney World. My son's getting married in Orlando. Do you think we're going to miss Disney World with all our grandkids? It's going to be fun. In fact, Beverly and I, we need to sow some seed because that Disney World's got some serious need. When Stacy told me how much it's going to cost me and Beverly to go to Disney World, I about, oh, Lord have mercy. That's like a house payment to some people. <laughs> I got distracted. I'm sorry. But it's seed, and we have to sow seed. Generous giving is like sowing seed. Number four, generous giving is an attitude of the heart. It's a heart thing. That's why in Philippians 4.10, when I said, your care for me, the way you think towards me, he's really talking about the heart that they had for him. Their heart, their thoughts were, were affectionate towards him. You affectionately thought good thoughts about me to the point that you wanted to give to me. OMG, man, my wife is such a generous woman and she thinks I'm stingy because she's really generous. And so here's the case with really generous people and other people who are just different and balanced different. And so we always have to talk. When we think about sowing a seed, she says, what number you got in your head? And I can guarantee what's in my head is less than what's in her head. She's always, she said, I just shoot real high so we negotiate to wherever she needs. It's true. In fact, we, we bought a, uh, uh, a, a gift card for someone and, uh, and, and we pulled up at the grocery. She said, we'll just get a gift card. I said, we're going to get in there. She said, well, what are you thinking? And I just told her right out. I didn't want to negotiate. I just said, this is what I'm thinking. Boom, boom, boom. But she's more generous than I. And so we're learning how to be generous biblically. And where you got to be wise. And, and But you got to, let me just tell you, you don't, when, when you give generously, like this church did, just make sure you're following the directive of God and sow the seed rightly. Now, uh, the scripture also talks about that the seed, the sower just goes out. He just scatters seed everywhere. And some people think, man, he's being kind of haphazard with his seed, but he knows the more seed I get in the ground, the more that's going to come up. Somebody say amen. All right, catch this. Get this understanding. It's an attitude of the heart. And if you, you can see that in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. What does he say? So let each of you give as, as he purposes in his what? Not grudgingly or of necessity or compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And you'll learn, you, you heard that, that, that tone in Paul's voice over there in Philippians. He said, I'm not, I'm not excited about the fact that you gave me, gave to me. I'm excited about the fruit that's abounding to your account. In other words, my heart towards you, I'm not, I'm not, you, you don't give to me out of compulsion. In fact, if you ever feel like I'm twisting your arm as a pastor, you come up and say, Pastor, that just that kind of you felt like you're pressuring me a little bit. Uh, maybe I have sometimes, but here's what I've learned as a pastor. Don't ever get up here preaching out of need. Don't get up here and, and, and bellyache or whine and complain about money. We just tell it. In fact, on Vision Sunday, we just told you the facts. Somebody said, just the facts, ma'am. We just tell you the facts. There's some issues of need. But understand something. I think Jim said it this way. We're not trying to squeeze more. You can't squeeze blood out of a turnip. But what we are trying to do is turn this thing around and get the folks we got to a place of biblical understanding where they realize, I've got the right heart. I'm giving from a right heart. God loves a generous, happy, uh, 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 hilarious giver. And I've got a heart to give. In fact, Paul said about the Philippians, he said, you always had a heart, but you lacked opportunity. You were 
so poor, but then you just realize, man, we're poor, but we're not, we're going to stay poor if we don't get generous and give from a heart of care and concern for the kingdom of God. Amen. It's an attitude of the heart. That's what Matthew 5, when Jesus was talking about, uh, not laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Uh, look what he said over here. I'll turn over there. He said, Matthew 5, uh, verse uh, 20 and 21. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. Catch this. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's a heart issue. Generous giving is an attitude of the heart. Number five, generous giving always requires a level of willing sacrifice. Somebody say sacrifice. Go back to Bill Gates. How many of you know if he'd have came and give us a thousand dollars? He was not sacrificing. And so generosity is always equated and linked to a level of sacrifice because it's all relative, remember? Generosity has to do with our heart and it has to do with a, with sacrifice. If you go back over to Philippians, oh, I'm going to stay in Second Corinthians 8. Look over here. Boom, there we go. 8. Uh, look in verse uh, 1 through 3. Again, the new living. I already read it, but I don't read it again. Here's what he says. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God, is, God in his kindness did through the churches in Macedonia or Philippi. They are being tested by many troubles. And they are very poor, but they're also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. They sacrificed. Now catch this. And they did it of their own free will from their hearts. I got him. You're not paying attention, were you? It's, it's equated with sacrifice. And so we need to, we think about how we give. And if we, if we're wanting to model generosity, we got to ask ourselves, is this really a sacrifice? Am I giving out of my abundance or am I giving uh, out of a place of sacrifice? How many of you know God honors a sacrifice? That's what he says, man. He says, when you, when you give, you sacrificially give, God will give you more seed to sow. Amen. Number six, generous giving makes God really happy. Generous giving makes God happy. Look in Second Corinthians 9, verse 7. Look what he says in the latter part. He who sows, uh, oh, yeah, Second Corinthians 9. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will all also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. Everyone say, God loves a cheerful giver. Listen, if you're giving grudgingly, I got a feeling you're undermining your gift. In fact, that word cheerful means hilarious. Everybody go, ha, ha, ha. God loves some person that gets so happy about giving. It makes him happy when he sees us happy about giving. So uh, generous giving makes God happy. Uh, he loves a cheerful giver. Philippians, if I go back to Philippians chapter 4, look what he says. Uh, oh, in verse 18, he says this. He said, indeed, I have all in the bound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the, the thing sent from you. Catch what, he, what, what he's saying. It's a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Amen. So we should give in a way that we know makes God happy. Amen. And if God's happy, you don't have any... If He's happy about you and your giving, you don't have anything to be concerned about. If God looked down... In fact, we had someone, one of our members, uh, the, their world has been upheaved, not just through the flood, but other. Uh, we sent out our giving records and she, and she called Beverly and said, I need to check. I, we should have given more than this. We got to make sure we, and I went, man, you know what she's thinking? I got to make sure God's happy with me. I don't want to have made a mistake here and not made God happy with what I gave. I love that. 
makes God happy. And then finally, and this is just equally important, generous giving is God's avenue of increase. Generous, everyone say this with me. Generous giving is God's avenue of increase. In fact, God blesses us so we can be a greater blessing. Now, look in verse 17. I've read it once. I'll read it maybe twice or third time. Verse 17, Paul said, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. In other words, everyone say account. He's talking about their bank account, for goodness sakes, because we're talking about money here. He says, because of your generous sacrificial gift, go back to 2 Corinthians 8, they're poor people, but they gave a sacrificial liberal gift. And he's thanking them and commending them. And he said, and let me tell you where I'm excited. Let me throw in my, uh, you poor folk, in Philippi, just get ready because God is going to bless you financially because of the seed you sow. Amen. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8 through 11. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you may have, that you always, everybody say always. All, he's talking about when they understand this giving principle, that you always have all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every, what's the abundance for? For every good work. You know what my prayer is to God? Not only do I, my prayer is that I would always remain faithful, but that God would trust me. And it is a test to see, and here's what all the tests that God gives us are about. Not only to see if we're going to trust God, but to see if God can trust us. And my prayer is that God would trust me with large amounts of money. That I would be trustworthy with large amounts of money. And that's what he says here. He says to them, he says, man, I'm excited about your giving. He said that he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. He says, and, and he said, may you have all sufficiency in all good things that you may have an abundance. Somebody say abundance. Reach out and touch somebody and say abundance. Tell them it's an abundance. God's not just enough. He's more than enough. That you may have an abundance for every good work. Wow. Look at verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Look what the seed. Now may he who supplies seed to who? Not the, not the taker, the sower. He gives seed to the sower and bread for food. He, and supply, that's what he says, may, this, this what I, he's, he's speaking over them. He supplies seed to the sower and, and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown. And he's not going to multiply the seed you hang on to or the seed you eat. He's going to multiply the seed you sow. Amen. And increase the fruits of your righteousness. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. And he goes on and you can read on there and you will this week as you read through. And Jesus capped this thought off in Luke 6, 38, when he told his disciples, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. I'll tell you the story. I got plenty of time. When Beverly and I first moved to Quitman, we bought a little house in town, and then we began to, I began to understand the glory of Lake Fork. And I, I wanted to fish. And I bought a boat, and I began to learn to fish, and I fell in love with fishing in the lake. And so we moved out to the lake. We sold our house, moved out to the lake, built this little house that has become our little dream home. We love it. And when we came here, before we got here, I sat out on the, on the bank, out on the dock, and I, I, re, I thought in my head, I've got to give this 
up. It's how on earth can I move away from here and keep this? And I just didn't understand. I had such limited thinking. And I said, Lord, I give it to you. It doesn't belong to me. It's yours. He said, I felt, yeah, that's right. I started feeling like I was getting somewhere. I give it to you. It doesn't belong to me. And he spoke to me. This is one of the clearest voice things I've ever heard. He said, you can keep it if you want. How does that work? How on earth can I afford two house payments on a half payment salary? And I began, it all fell in place. I started renting it. You know the story. And today, that little house that is paid for, by the way, generates added income for Beverly and I. Plus, we get to go there. And it's a blessing to us. And next to us was a big field that belonged to a, an addition. And they, they owned right up to our house, 10 foot from my house, they owned. And I was ner- we were concerned about that. So Beverly and I, 20 something years ago, started praying over who would buy that piece of property. And we covered it in prayer and we thought, you know, we don't, you know, 10 foot from my house and we just prayed and nobody came, nobody came. And I thought, man, nobody's going to come. And then without going into long detail, a friend of Nathan's who's now a friend of mine came and bought both lots next to us. And I said, you know, I'd like to buy, and it's just kind of a funny piece of property and I just need a little cushion and, and, and I'm just so glad you're there. But if, if you don't want to, that's fine. I'm just glad you're there because it doesn't matter because I know we're friends. And so and the, about a month rocked on and he came back to me and said, uh, my wife and I, we're going to give you that property. I, I said, no, 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 no. no. I said, we're going to give it to you. I got the deed. Now, I'm going to tell you something. What you do today when it comes to finances, how you set yourself up today, what you, the, the posture, the, the thinking process you get today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till, you know, somebody said, well, when I get out of debt, I'll try to figure this thing out. Listen, you'll never get out of debt till you figure this thing out. One of these days never comes. Come on now, I'm telling you, if whatever you can get your brain thinking right, biblically, when it comes to money and, and giving and things and stuff, you get it straightened out from a biblical standpoint. I'm telling you the decisions and the choices and the attitude you set today, how you set yourself up today will affect you from years and years and years to come and my friend told us that we just we believe God led us here and we we want to be we want to bless you because we believe your prayers save this property for us I said well it wasn't we weren't praying for y'all we were praying for us <laughs> whoo How do you think about this thing called money? We gotta get it, get our thinking straight. We get our thinking straight, it'll change the way we act and respond and how we give and how we care and how we love. Amen. You know, a farmer, when he sows a seed, he has a sense of expectation. I have to be honest, when I gave this house to God there 20-something years ago, sitting down on the dock in that little house, I took my hands off of it. I had zero expectation. I, I did not think that 20 years from now, this little house would be making me money and be an asset rather than a debit. But we got to change the way we think. Let me just throw this out to you because I think I got a little time. Some of you are in a tight spot. You're in a Philippian moment. You're, you've got some financial issues. If you can get this here straightened out, it'll straighten out what's in here. You get this straightened out, this will straighten out, and you'll begin to learn how to be a giver and a tither. And God said that He'll open the windows of heaven pour you out a blessing in times of leanness in times of abundance
He'll take good care of you. Amen. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you today, Lord Jesus. I want us to do this. I want you to, I'm not, I'm not taking an offering, I promise. Take your wallet or your checkbook or something, whatever represents your finances. For some of you, it may be your phone because you do all your business. Put it in your hand. I want you to do something. We're going to use the, your chair as an, off, as an altar. Let's hold our stuff up here. Let's hold our stuff. This, this represents our stuff. This little wallet right here represents, let me tell you what this wallet represents. It represents the money I have in the bank, and it also represents, let me just be honest, uh, uh, there's a credit card in here that I will balance on. It represents my indebtedness. It represents who I am financially. Lord, I give it to you, Lord. It all belongs to you. Lord, I just ask you to help me now. Release control of my finances and give you control. And I release, Lord, my stinking thinking when it comes to money. And I pray you would transform my life. I hope you're praying like I'm praying. You would transform my life and my mind to a place of faithful trust. Make me a generous giver, Lord. Not only with the tithe, but with the offering and the alms gift. Lord, we thank you for it today. Now just lay it down on your seat. Lord, I give it away. It doesn't belong to me. I give it up. Put it back in your purse, whatever you want to do. I give it to you. It doesn't belong to me. That's your altar. I trust you, Lord Jesus. Now one more thing. Just follow me. Put your, put your, lay your hands on your forehead. Say, Lord, change the way I think about money. Change the way I think about giving. Change the way I think about finances, Lord. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Now I'm going to end today with a challenge. Here's the challenge. I want everybody to listen. I'm going to make you a challenge. Here's the challenge. Because God challenged. Malachi 3.10. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me. Somebody say prove me. God said, I want you to test me on this one. And see if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Now, if you're here today and you, you have yet to understand and be able to wrap your brain around the biblical principle of tithing. Listen to me. And you're, you're still, you're kind of going, oh, MG, Pastor, you haven't seen my finances. I don't know how I can do it. If you've yet to wrap your brain around the principle of tithing, God said, prove me. So here's my challenge to you. I challenge you to become a tither. Begin today, begin this week. And, and every money you get in your, you, you set aside 10%. And you realize this is the tithe. And you sow it into the storehouse. You do that for a year. I'll give you a year long. You do it for a year. And you come back to me in, in, in the beginning of 2019. And if you cannot say, Pastor, the Lord has blessed me because of tithing. I can't believe it. It's amazing. I prove the Lord. If you, if you can't say that, and if you don't see the benefit of tithing after a year, you, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you all your tithe back. Mark it down. If you can show me next year that you tithed all year long, and you can just say to me, it didn't work, Pastor. God's word's not true. I'm going to give you your tithe back. You say, Pastor, how can you do that? Because that's what God said. Just prove me. I'm standing on the word of the Lord. Everybody said amen. Father, we thank you today for your word. We let it set up residence in our heart in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen.